Good morning. What a great video. We're going to actually unpack that passage uh, this morning. So if you have a Bible, Matthew 14, 22 through 32, or you can follow along on version uh, on your phone or your tablet, Matthew 14, 22 through 32. I want to welcome you. Thanks for being here. I want to welcome those who are joining us online and those who will be joining us in traditions and those who will be joining us in Kindred at 10 o'clock. Um, <clears throat> did we celebrate last week about Kindred? The picture, yeah, they had 104 people at their kickoff. That's amazing. I'm just still celebrating that. Hey, got another great announcement for you. <clears throat> Lori mentioned about having love and the outcome here for girls' night out, but um, there's another special announcement, and that is that they'll be leading worship that very Sunday as well for all of us. So on May 9th, which is Mother's Day, so there you go, moms. There's a special gift for you. Love and the outcome will be leading worship. We're looking forward to that. So... What are you afraid of? In this series, we're going to talk about six fears that most of us would uh, just assume skip or not even address or not talk about. And the six fears we will look at might take us to some uncomfortable places, inviting us to wrestle with each of the fears in light of God's word. If we don't go there, we will continue to hide behind our fears, resisting authentic relationship with God and resisting authentic relationship with one another. Usually when we hear the word fear, we think of the physical things. For example, uh, afraid of heights or afraid of snakes or things outside of us. Some experts say that there's 7,000 fears that people have reported. And while the outward physical fears are legit, of course, it's the inward fears that secretly shape us and keep us from experiencing life and relationship the way that God intended. It's the things that are happening on the inside of us. There are two kinds of fears. There are healthy fears, and then there are unhealthy fears. And the Bible says, fear God. And so that's a healthy fear. And that comes out of a place of not wanting to break God's heart. Or it's a holy and reverent fear of God who is above all. So that's a healthy kind of a fear. But the Bible also says, do not be afraid, suggesting there's an unhealthy tendency to fear that which we need not be afraid of. And as always, we're going to look to God's word for answers. We'll look at the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of my plan not working out, the fear of letting God and others down, the fear of the unexpected or the unknown, the fear of being forgotten or being all alone. Those are the six fears we're going to look at. And all six fears have the same source. The imagined safety of hiding. The fears are our attempt to build structures and to build walls that protect us and hide us from reality and authenticity. Today we begin by talking about one of the most common fears, the fear of failure. Like the other five fears that we'll talk about, the fear of failure, though it is used to keep us safe, will actually paralyze us. The fear of failure can be defined as this, a concern of an unsuccessful performance or endeavor. 
The fear of failure shows up in a number of different ways. The fear of repeating failures from the past, that's one way it shows up, or the fear of letting someone down, or the fear of letting God down, or the fear of disappointing a parent, or the fear of being unable to accomplish something and you're going to look bad, or the fear of not being a success story, or the fear of failing our culture's image of success. Did you know that the fear of failure is worse than failing? Failing happens in a moment of time or over a season, but the fear of failing is an ongoing fear that that captures us day in and day out and paralyzes us. It goes on on and on. Most people fail at more things in life than they succeed. It's easy to think about people like Michael Jordan. He said this, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, they looked to me to hit the game-winning shot and I missed. He says, I have failed over and over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed. Charles Schultz's drawings were rejected by his high school yearbook. Schultz went on to create Peanuts featuring Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Steven Spielberg was rejected both times he applied to attend film school at USC. No one wanted to hire Walt Disney as an artist. Walt's first animation studio went bankrupt. He went on to co-found the Walt Disney Company. But I wanna, I wanna make something clear with those examples. Those are great stories. Those are, those are great stories and reminders of, of failures to success and how it can motivate us to work harder, how it can motivate us to try harder. But today, I wanna take the focus off of what we can do to overcome our fear. And this idea that we just need to work harder and try harder and let's focus our attention on what God can do. Today we're going to read a story about disciples, about a bad storm and about Jesus walking on the water. And this one little story is packed with so much truth and it will help us understand the fear of failure and how we can apply God's word to overcome it. So first of all, if you're following along, the fear of failure and the will of God. Verses 20 through to 26 is where we want to start. So remember, in this passage, Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 people with the loaves of bread and the two fish, and then he gives instructions to his disciples who were still there with him. This is what he says, starting in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. There's a key piece in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. After the people were dismissed... Verse 23 tells us that Jesus went up on this mountainside by himself to pray. And it says that when evening came, he was there alone. And he looked out over the lake and he saw the disciples. And not one time did he say, oh my goodness. Or what have I done? Or what was I thinking? Was Jesus aware 
that the disciples would face a life-threatening storm while they were in the boat making their way across the water. If he was aware, why in the world would he let them go? Why not protect them and keep them from difficulties and struggles and potential failures? Jesus is always aware of something that we lose sight of. Until we need God, there's no need for faith. Sometimes I believe God places us and allows us to be in situations where our fear of failure and our faith have to work themselves out in our life. Fear of failure and faith come to a crossroads. Warren Wiersbe writes, did Jesus know that the storm was coming? Certainly. Did he deliberately direct them into the storm? Yes. They were safer in the storm in God's will than on the land with the crowds out of God's will. I love that. God never sets us up to fail. But he might set you up to teach you to step out in faith so you can taste what it's like to stare failure in the face and have victory through faith. What do you suppose Jesus might have been, been praying about as he was up on the mountainside look, out, looking out over the lake? Is it possible that he was praying for his disciples that it would be their faith that would pre prevail? Now shift your attention to the boat for a moment. Here's how I would describe this boat as we apply this to life. It was familiar. It was safe and secure. It was routine. It was predictable. It was comfortable. It wasn't the safety and the security of the boat that was the problem. It was the storms raging outside of their comfy little boat that began to send their fear through the roof. Think of all the things in life that might make you feel safe and secure and comfortable and that provide a routine and that are predictable. Imagine that to be your boat. I'm just going to give you a few seconds to think of a few things. Imagine a few things in life that feel safe, secure, comfortable, routine, and predictable. And imagine that to be your boat. Now think about the things in your life outside of your boat that have the potential to result in failure. Sometimes the things outside of our safe fear of failure boat are easy for us to simply avoid, ignore it if possible, pretend like we don't see it, say no in order to remain okay. <clears throat> Other times, <clears throat> the things outside of our fear of failure boat are more confronting and harder to ignore. Like the storm that the disciples were now facing. The storm represents those things that we don't have control over and they put us in a position of choice. Will I continue to hide behind my fear of failure? Or will I put my trust in God? The boat ride, the boat ride started off normal. 
It was safe and familiar. The wind was calm. The water was still. No fear whatsoever. And as they rode further and further out into the lake that night, something changed. And the water went from still to raging, and the wind went from calm to furious, and the disciples found themselves unexpectedly in the midst of a raging storm being tossed about by the wind and pounded by the waves. And let's say that evening, let's say it started about 6 o'clock in the evening, and the Scripture says that during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to him. The fourth watch of the night is somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., For some reason, Jesus waited until the fourth watch to go out to where they were. Why not earlier? I can think of a few reasons. The same is for us. Why not earlier? Maturity? Sanctification? Growing in our walk with Christ? Whatever you want to call it requires precision timing. If we, think about it in context, if you have children or if you're around children, if we rescue our children too quickly from their struggles and fear of failure, they may never learn. If we come alongside too late, there may be too much damage done. Simply to say that God's timing is always perfect. He knows exactly what we need to go through in order for us to make a decision. We will choose to hide behind our fear of failure or we will step out in faith. That decision comes to a head at just the precise moment in time and only God knows that moment. One choice, one choice keeps us comfortable and safe and the other stretches us and grows us. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and he came to them. And in the meantime, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They see Jesus coming. The will of God is never found in the boat. God's will for you is outside of the boat. In the boat, we remain in a position where we can rely on ourselves and stay safe and hide. Outside of the boat is where we come face to face with the fear of failure. Outside of the boat is where we learn to rely on God in faith. In this life, you may not see yourself this way, we've all become carpenters. because we've all learned to build our own boat. Many of us are like the African impala. The impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. Yet these amazing creatures can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they can't see where their feet will land. We live by faith, the scripture says, and not by sight. Now, but I want to say this. I'm not saying there isn't an intellectual engagement when it comes to our faith. But if you have to see it first, you will not jump. 
Don't allow the fear of failure to keep you from going with God. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Some of you grew up hearing, you're such a failure, or you're never going to amount to anything. That is a lie, and that once that gets in your head, it's hard to get it out of your head. I love what D.L. Moody says. He puts an interesting twist on this. This is what he says. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Secondly, the fear of failure and the voice of truth. Verse 27 through 32 goes on, it says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Notice that they did not inquire of Jesus, but Jesus inquired of them. Our fear of failure will keep us from inquiry. So at just the right moment, Jesus came to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And the disciples could not imagine hearing any better words spoken from Jesus. Nothing could have created or provided a more calming effect in that moment. And the first words out of his mouth, take courage. Now imagine yourself on this boat. You're in the midst of a storm. And Jesus is there and he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The answer to our fear is sandwiched between two directives. And the two directives, he said, is this. Take courage, don't be afraid. But what does he say in between? What words does Jesus use to give us a reason and confidence in the midst of our fear of failure? It is I. The reason that you can have courage, the reason that I can have courage, because of those three words, it is I. The reason you don't have to be afraid is because it is I. Only Jesus possesses the power over our fear. Fear is not from God. It's a four-letter word that is not in God's vocabulary. The Bible mentions it 150 times. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. If God is not the source, though, of our fear, who do you suppose is the source of our fear? The evil one. And he uses every single tool in his toolbox to get us to a place in life where we get stuck, where we are gripped, where we are paralyzed. When we believe his lies, it keeps us in the boat. And, and because fear is not from God, it cannot be founded on truth, which means all fear. So all six, when we go over this for six weeks, all the different fears, all fear is founded on a lie. It could be the evil one lying to us, our culture lying to us, our selfish desire lying to us. Have you heard the phrase, where there is smoke, there is fire? Of course, right? Meaning you can't have one without the other. The same can be said, true, it's true of fear. Where there is fear, there is a lie. 
Whenever you are afraid, whenever you fear, there's a lie somewhere. It goes on, verse 28. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. And verse 29, come, he said. And so the focus goes from the land to the boat to the storm to Jesus, and now the focus is on Peter, and the spotlight was on him. And in verse 28, we still sense a little doubt in Peter's voice, even after Jesus has revealed himself. And Peter being Peter, which many of us are just like him, right? He blurts out, oh yeah, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out on the water. The wrong thing to say. And then in the midst of maybe Peter's celebration, the dreaded word. Jesus said, come. The evil one says, stay, hide, remain safe. Jesus says, come. One word. Jesus says one word to invite Peter to step out in faith and overcome his fear. You might think that Jesus would identify himself more, maybe explain to Peter exactly what's going to happen, maybe even tell him the temperature of the water, who knows, say something to him, right? But nothing like that. Just one word. Come. How much explaining does God need to do in your life, my life, to get us to step out of the boat and stop hiding behind our fear of failure. Lies are paralyzing us and causing us to cower in the corner of the boat because we're afraid to fail. Henry Blackaby says something like this, You cannot go with God and stay where you are. In other words, if you want to follow Jesus, you cannot stay in the boat. Different groups of people that we apply this to, guys, me, other guys in the room. The lies keep us from leading our family spiritually because we're afraid of failing. For men and women, the lies keep us from trying to be a godly husband or a wife because we're afraid of failing and disappointing the other person, and so we stay in the boat. The lies keep us from saying to God, here I am, send me. It it keeps married couples stuck in the fear cycle, triggering one another back and forth, and we just go round and around and around, all based on fear. Because we are afraid of failing, the lies trap us in a nice little safe life because we're afraid of getting out of the boat and allowing God to be God and use us in big ways and small ways to accomplish his will. Here's what I know. God is most glorified when we're walking on water. After Peter regathered himself, he went over the edge of the boat. He stepped out. And it says that Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and he was walking towards Jesus. His eyes were fixed on Jesus. His focus was solely on Jesus. His heart was turning from hard to soft, his mind from doubt to truth. Everything about him was turning from fear to faith. 
Oh, can I ever relate to Peter? How about you? I, what we're about to see is this bipolar faith-fear. I have faith and then I have fear and then I fear and then I have faith and, it, and there's this pendulum that just swings back and forth, back and forth, sometimes within a minute, seconds. Psalm 56, 11 says, in God I trust, I will not be afraid, and I love this last one, what can man possibly do to me? If you want to be safe, stay in the boat. If you want to live cautious, stay in the boat. But be prepared, the possibility of missing what God has. The key to overcoming fear then is total and complete trust in God. Trusting God is a refusal to give in to fear. It's a turning to God even in the darkest times and trusting him to make things right. It's, it's trusting God even when everything is pointing to failure. Because fear's worst enemy is faith. Fear is demolished when we get out of the boat. And then it happened. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, Peter, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He took his eyes off of Jesus and noticed the wind swirling around him. And again, he was gripped with fear. He took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. The fear of failure often leads to failure. Peter was walking on water and he says, I I trust Jesus, I'm going to sink. I trust Jesus. I'm going to sink. I'm going to sink. I want to trust Jesus. I'm going to sink. I am sinking. And then we do what Peter did. Lord, save me. He cried out as soon as he knew he allowed fear to overcome his faith. Lord, save me. Verse 31 through 36. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gensura. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who were touched were healed. You see, in the end, we see a beautiful display of Jesus' compassion and grace. Rather than say to Peter, you fool, now you will drown. Rather than that, he reached out his hand and he caught him. He then reinforced the lesson he was trying to teach them. You of little faith, why do you doubt? Jesus wasn't railing on him. He wasn't condemning him. You of little faith doesn't mean you are pathetic. You failed again. I think Jesus reached out his hand and said, Peter, you have such little faith. Do you see now, Peter, what happens when you take your eyes off of me? Fear takes over. Peter wasn't the failure in the story. How many guys were left in the boat? 
Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Let's apply that to this story. Unless you get out of the boat, it is impossible to please God. We can choose, I'm going to apply this to Christianity because I think it's interesting. We can choose to live a nice, moral, safe little life in the boat along with many other Christians. We're all familiar with the boat that I'm describing. What about this? We go to church, read our Bible, pray, take our kids to Awana, attend a group, all the while never ever stepping out of the boat because it's too scary. That's been me many times. A great, good Christian life is great, but doesn't always require faith, does it? What is it that God is inviting you to step out in faith today? Is it personal? Is it vocational? Is it relational? Is it financial? What is it? What is it for you? I'm talking about a faith step, not a step of stupidity. And there's a difference. We can't just go around and do whatever we want and call it faith. When we just go and do whatever we want, never even consulting God, there are other words that describe that, right? Sometimes we just get out of the boat on our own. It never turns out well. If we get out of the boat on our own, prepare to dog paddle. So then how do we know? How do we know? How do we know? We pray about it. We listen very carefully to that still, small voice through the Holy Spirit. We read the Word. And we seek counsel from other people. And friends, when those things align, it's a pretty good indication. We don't have to think twice about stepping out of the boat. That one word is God whispering or shouting the word, come. Let me leave you with one thing. Maybe a way to think about this this week. The fear of failure says, Stay in the boat. Jesus says, come, walk on water. God, this morning as um, we start in on this series of fear that applies to every single one of us in so many different ways, but the idea of fear of failure is so relatable. And, and we are all so guilty of building our own boat and staying where it's safe 
and secretly inside building these structures and walls that we can hide behind. And you are continually saying to us, come. God, would you help us this week as we're seeking you, as we're praying, as we're in the word, as we're talking with us, would you help us to see what are the areas or the things in our life that we are using to protect ourselves, to hide behind, when all the while you are saying, step out in faith. God, would you do that in our lives this week? Some of us already have things in mind. Thank you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, the work you do in us. In Jesus' name, amen.